I need to get one of those in my place. As children's pastor, I can assure you of two things this morning. I haven't spoke a message more than 15 minutes long in 12 years, so it may be short. And if everybody listens, we will have goldfish and juice at the end of this. <laughs> what Pastor John asked me to do today is share. Share my story, share who I am. And so that's what I plan to do. It all started in a very small church. When I say small, when I was about 10 years old, they had me start leading song service. And to give you an idea how small the church is, Ben has repeatedly refused to allow me on the worship team with good reason. So uh, it was a very small church, but when I was about 12, we had an evangelist. He was there all week long, and the, I think it was the final night, he, uh, he had been going on for about two and a half hours. As a 12-year-old, you were going out of your mind after 30 minutes. So you can imagine how I had felt sitting there, and he had an altar call. And what he said is, anybody who would like prayer for healing, anything, come up front. So I'm going through my mind trying to figure out how can I get up there. I remember I had hurt my thumb that day. So I'm going up front to get prayer for my thumb, hoping for a miraculous healing. In other words, take my Band-Aid off. But uh, so I go up there. And everybody's in a line. And as he goes from person to person, he comes to me. And it was incredible. Inside me, this is the only way I can explain it, I hear, I'm calling you to the ministry. Well, Outside me, the evangelist starts jumping up and down and says, this boy's being called into the ministry. And then I knew. I knew that I knew that I knew what the rest of my life was going to be. I was going to be a pastor. Well, there's a big difference between receiving a call and having a relationship. And I lived off the call. You know, I had the big dreams. I was going to be Benny Hinn, wear my white suit, you know, and flap it across people, watch them fall out everywhere. It was going to be great. But as time went on, that call went further and further in the background. We did a lot of moving. I did a lot of meeting new people. And from that, I just started following. And... That call just went further and further away. Throughout high school, I started drinking, partying, having a great time. But the, the crazy thing with that was the call was still there. In my mind, hey, one day I'm going to be a preacher. And it made no sense because I wasn't living a life called 
um, living a life that showed the call of Jesus on my life. And it came after graduation. It made no sense. I wasn't living for the Lord. I had no interest going into the ministry. But I knew nothing else. So I went up. I ended up going to Southeastern Bible College, and uh, that's in Lakeland, Florida. And while I was there, a battle began. And part of me, that call, that cry was there. It was calling me saying, Steve, this is for you. But the other part of me still had not given my life to Christ. I was still stuck. I was still so far away. And it ended up manifesting, I guess, the best way to put it. Because I ended up leaving Southeastern after the first year. From there, I started picking up odd jobs, doing this and that. And this is going to sound crazy, but I ended up joining a dance crew. Yes. <laughs> okay. If you don't know what that means, it means that I would go around with my friends and we would go from club to club throughout the city and have dance battles. Please, after the service, do not ask me to perform any of those moves because if I did, you would be taking me to the hospital, and I'd be in traction. But that led me to the next step. I started DJing, and it just clicked with me. It's the best way I can explain it. I was good at it. I loved it. I think the reason, real reason Pastor John hired me is because he used to be a DJ at a roller skating rink. But... uh I ended up DJing some of the best clubs, biggest clubs in Atlanta. And I started to think, this is my path. This is what I am going to do with the rest of my life. And from there, the next step, I started doing after parties for a lot of the big names at that time. Ended up in a rap group. I'm sure as you look at me this morning, you can picture that so easily. Hat on backwards. What are those? Nike suits. And, of course, the gold chain. Well, <laughs> once again, the rap group took off. I was excited. We had come to this place where... We were going to sign with Capitol Records. And um, we were about to go on a European tour. Everything fell apart. And I guess the best way to put it is God saved me. That's the only way that I can put what really happened in that moment. Because within one week, the contract, it was thrown out. 
Within one week, I lost my DJing job at the biggest club in Atlanta. And I was without. I had nothing. Because you live for the moment when you live a life like that. And as everything fell to pieces, I fell to pieces. And I started to drink more and more. It all came to head one night when I definitely drank more than I usually did. And I woke up that night in a jail. A lot of people have their come-to-Jesus moment sitting in a jail cell. I was sitting there crying on the floor, looking back over my whole life, just wondering what, can, what happened. I thought I had it all, and it's all gone. And deep inside, it's like God started to come alive again. And I got down on my knees, and I said this, God, from now on, no matter what, I will serve you. God listens when you say that. He hears you. And I wish I could say from then on, it was easy going. But it wasn't. Part of it was just reality. I had to move on from there. I had to work my life back up to a place where it could be. But much more than that, it's what I was carrying. You see, we look at ourselves differently than God looks at ourselves. When you ask for forgiveness, when you lay your life down before him, he drops everything. That's it. You are clean before him. But we as humans, as we are, we carry luggage. We carry baggage. We carry the past. And that's exactly what I did. For the next five to seven years, I guess, I carried my past. I thought that I had been discounted for the things that God had for me because I failed. You guys hear that this morning? I thought that I had been discounted for God's great love, his great mercy, his grace, his favor, because I had failed. But God doesn't look at it that way. I ended up becoming a firefighter. I loved the job. I loved it. I was good at it. I love the team. I love the, just the whole thing about it. But something was missing. I knew what it was, but I didn't want to admit it. It was the call on my life. And deep down, I can tell you this. I didn't think I deserved to be in the ministry. I didn't think I was qualified anymore. I thought God had written me off so I would never put myself out there to fail. 
Well, my mom messed that up. Do we have any praying moms in here? All right. My mom's a praying mom, and she's prayed me through a lot of things. She was so amazing because whenever I'd get in big trouble, she'd always call a little bit afterwards. What'd you do, Steve? She is praying. Great, Mom. Well, she came up to me, and she said, Steve, have you ever thought about going back to Bible college? And I, I mean, I actually laughed. I'm like, yeah, right. After all I've been through and the fact that I'm a decade older, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, Mom. She goes, well, I just want you to pray about it. And that made me mad because I know what happens when you pray. So I prayed very lightly. And I was like, oh, God, you know, if this is what you want, great. You know, really love where I'm at right now. But she came to see me about a week later. And she came with a college application. I'm like, oh, she's not playing around here. So I filled it out. And on this application for Bible college, they have this line, have you ever been in trouble? Have you ever done these things? So I marked yes in great big letters and made it sound as horrible as I could. I wasn't giving up yet, okay? <laughs> Two weeks later, I get a letter for Central Bible College. Congratulations, Steve Bilson. You've been accepted to Central Bible College. So I humbled myself, and I went. I ended up loving Bible College. I loved it. Everything I ever wanted to know, it was right there. And once I got going, I couldn't stop. I went to Central Bible College for Bible. I went to Evangel University, received a Bible degree, I mean a business degree. Then I went to Assembly God Theological Seminary and received my master's in theology. And my plan had been this. It was to be a professor one day. Children's ministry was not even closely on the list, okay? Nowhere close. But God is good, and he knows me, and he knows I'm not smart enough to be a professor. So he had mercy on me. And where my love for children's ministry started to develop was in one of my seminary classes, the professor was Dr. Roger Cotton. In the Assemblies of God, Dr. Cotton is like a superstar. He, he's the top dog. He writes the position papers. He puts out books. I mean, he has it all. And I couldn't wait to get in his class just to hear about his life and hear the deep things he would say and the amazing things he would open my eyes to. 
I get in the class, and there's only one thing this man would brag about. And it was this. It's the fact that for 14 years, he had taught second and third grade Sunday school class. He loved these kids. He poured his life into these kids. And at first, I did not get it. I'm like, what is the deal with this guy? Well, he started to shift my perspective on ministry. And what is truly important in the big scheme of things and I'm here to tell you, your kids are truly important on the big scheme of things. Because when you have kids before you, you have a chance to be a part of that building block. You aren't fixing the box blocks. You aren't rearranging the blocks. You're a part of putting those building blocks together. So my perspective started to change. I finished my master's trying to decide what to do next. And I received a call from the man that was my pastor when I was a teenager. And some of you may know it. His name was Doc, uh, Dennis Lacey. He had an opening in the youth department, and he wanted me there. So we packed up the family. We moved to Dunwoody, and through a crazy series of events, he was there one week, then he leaves. So in the next six months, a lot of change starts to take place at that church, and a lot of rearranging and letting go. And... I end up doing both youth ministry and children's ministry. And I love both. And God bless both. And I was having a great time with both. And our new pastor came. And he was there I, for probably about a year and a half I have been doing this. And one day he sits down with me and says, Steve, we need to have a talk. I said, okay. I thought I was in trouble. I was like, oh, I did this, I did that. Oh, what anyway, he said, I hate to do this to you, but you have to choose. You have to choose, do you want to do youth ministry or do you want to do children's ministry? My heart was breaking because I knew the answer as soon as he asked the question. I love youth ministry, but I'm not called to youth ministry. I looked at that pastor, and I said, it's children. And it was like, it was a freedom. That's the best way I can put it, because being the place where you know you're supposed to be at, doing the thing that you've been called to do, it's amazing. And from then on, I've been a children's pastor. What you can expect from me is to love your kids.
to disciple your kids, to be there for your kids. God has given me such a heart, such a passion for it. And you can count on that every time you bring them into your ho this house. And uh, just another thing I do, just to share with the parents real quickly, is it's called Parent Connect. And with the Parent Connect, it's just a sheet you pick up at the end. And it has two questions on it. I know as adults, a lot of times we're asked to disciple and we say, how do I disciple? Well, that parent connect is our way of helping you do that. I, uh, I want to share. I want to share one of those passages that helped me get through those years. I want to share something that God opened my eyes up to when I was going through those times where I was carrying the baggage, when I was carrying that doubt and that fear, fear. And how I'm going to do that is by talking about Moses. And much more than Moses, it's this, the Israelites. When we look at the Exodus, a lot of times we focus what happens between Moses and Pharaoh. But between that, there's a much bigger picture. And the picture is this, the Israelites. From the time of Joseph's death, what little favor the Israelites had ends. And it says during this time that the Israelites multiplied. I mean, in other words, they were everywhere. And the king or the pharaoh at that time started to realize that these people are becoming a military threat. This is something we need to worry about. So they decided it's time to clamp down on this. It's time to control this. And they brought them into slavery. Well, that wasn't enough. It's like the Pharaoh knew we have to break these people. They've been free. They need, know, they need to know what it's like not to be free. So the Bible specifically says that he was harsh. He was hard. And it seemed that no matter how they tried, the threat grew. It came to the part, point where they decided, we're going to kill every firstborn male. We'll, we'll end this problem by getting rid of the male babies. So they tried that. It didn't work. The, maid, uh, the maid servants, the ones that would deliver the babies, the king had told them, get rid of the male ones when they're born. They would say, well, we just got there too late. We're sorry. But during this time, Moses was uh, born. He was raised within the palace. And many of it, I'm guessing most of us know the story of him growing up. And him coming in to his call. Well, 
as he stood up and as he decided that, hey, I need to be there for my people, he ends up killing the Egyptian leader. He runs to Midian. And during that time, it's when he first truly encounters God. There's a burning bush. And the Bible puts it kind of funny. It's like, hey, there's a burning bush. Maybe I should go check it out. So Moses goes over and he checks it out. And the first thing God says is, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. When we pray, we're on holy ground. When we're in church, we're on holy ground because that is where God is coming to meet us. And God came to meet Moses in that moment. And he says, Moses, I'm calling you out. I want you to be the one that leads the people to set them free. And Moses says, who do I say you are? And I love this. God says, I am who I am. Tell them I am. Chris was talking about Jesus and the difference between that and the false prophets. Well, Jesus put it perfectly when he said, I am. I am the way. I am the life. You see, the other ones, Muhammad and everybody else, they say, I know the way. But Jesus says, I am the way. So he says, tell them that I am. And Moses, with Aaron, they return. They meet with the elders. The elders are on board. And then they go to Pharaoh. And that's when the trials began. The blood, the frog, the gnats, the flies, the livestock, the boils, the hail, loaves, uh, locusts, darkness, and the Passover. All these things took place. And all through that, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened over and over again. But finally, with the Passover, he lets them go. This is where you start to see God's people and where they're truly at. It had been 430 years of slavery. Generation after generation after generation grew up with that mindset. With that knowledge that we are stuck. We are not our own. Well, God starts to bring that out when he talks about the path. He tells Moses, don't take them through the land of the Philistines. Why? Because they will run back. During this time, as they run out of Egypt, God's presence comes. And how it comes is in a pillar of cloud. During the day, they follow this cloud. During the night, it becomes a pillar of fire. So they always know where to go every step of the way. And what God ends up doing is leading them 
the dead end. Mountains on one side, sand and desert on the other. And here they are, God's people running from their past, running from their slavery. And here they are. And I want you to think about this moment. This moment where all of a sudden they're looking up and they start to see this dust cloud in the, in the back. And as they watch, this dust cloud rises and gets bigger and larger. They start to realize what it is. It's Pharaoh and his army coming to get them. The first thing they do is they start to cry out, why? Why did you take us from that? It would have been so much better for us just to stay the way we were. To stay stuck in that lifestyle. Stuck in that slavery. Stuck with the failure of who we are. This is when I think the most awesome part of the story takes place. A lot of us think the most awesome part of the story is when Moses takes his staff and he lays it down in the water parts. Well, there's something that a lot of people miss, and it's this. God takes his cloud that they have been following, and he puts it over the Egyptians. He puts it over the Egyptians. And what has happened is no longer can God's people look back there to what was behind. Because it's not there anymore. And what do they do? Instead, they look ahead. Today, in closing... I want to ask you guys, are any of you guys stuck? Are any of you guys been holding on to things from your past? Things that you can't resolve on your own. Things that you can't let go. Maybe it's hate. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's failures that you've suffered in your life. What I want you to know is God knows you're better than that because he made you better than that. He made you to be free. He made you to walk in peace. He made you to live a life of victory. And not only that, he has called each and every one of you for his purpose. And you can't disqualify yourself because God has qualified you. So as we end this in prayer today, with music today, as Ben starts uh, playing, what I want to ask is, if you are living that, 
If you are walking in that, if you are holding on to hurts, disappointments, failures, just come up front this morning. Because what God wants to do is put that cloud down upon your life. Because it's not worth looking at. It doesn't count anymore. Because God has set you free. If everybody would stand up, please. The head that once wore a crown of thorns is crowned with glory now. The hands that washed our feet now at his feet we bow. The one who wore our sin and shame Now robed in majesty The radiance of perfect love Now shines for all to see Your name, your name is victory all praise will rise to christ our king oh, your, your name, name your name is victory all praise will rise to christ our That held us now gives way. Listen to him who is our peace. His final breath upon the cross is now alive in me. Your name, your name is of defeat the resurrected king is resurrecting me in your name I come alive to declare your victory your resurrected king is resurrected by your spirit by your spirit I will 
from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. It's resurrecting me. Yeah. It's resurrecting me. Yeah. You are resurrecting me. The tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days his body there would not remain our god has robbed the grave our god has robbed the grave jesus is alive Your name, your name is victory. Oh, praise, oh, praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name is victory. Your name, your name is victory. Oh, praise, oh, praise will rise to Christ By your Spirit, By your Spirit, I will rise. In your name, in your name, I come to declare, to declare your resurrected King is resurrecting me by your spirit. I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name, I come alive. To declare your victory, the resurrected King is resurrected by your Spirit. By your Spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name, I come alive to declare your Somebody bless the Lord.
Hey. Somebody bless the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you and we praise you, God, for the testimony. And God, the, uh, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive and well in us. And God, all things are possible to him that believes. And God, you speak to us and you call us to higher things, things we could not even dream of. And God, we just thank you and we praise you for that. Lord, I pray, God, that the truth of what was spoken today, God, the connecting with this testimony of Pastor Steve, God, I pray that you would just help us to realize that you have purpose in our life. And maybe we haven't quite figured it out yet, but you're about to open doors and you're about to give the revelation, God, as we step into what you have called us to do. And God, we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Amen. By your spirit, I will rise from the ashes.